know that the race continued even as they received emergency care. More swimmers exited the water alongside where uh, emergency care was taking place. Soon after the tragic deaths of two men during the Ironman in Yawl, County Cork, were announced, a blame game began, with a public war of words between the organisers on the ground and the event's governing body. At the heart of the matter is safety and whether the swim section of the Ironman should have gone ahead, given the rough conditions. More than 2,000 endurance athletes entered the choppy water early on Sunday morning. Brendan Wall, an Irishman in his mid-40s, and Ivan Chittenden, a Canadian in his 60s, died. Reporter Hugh Dooley visited Cork and found a town in shock over the deaths and worried about the event's future. They're concerned that the events which took place during the Ironman may lead to it not returning to the town and the tourism which it brings is integral to their business and it's integral to their livelihood. As Irish Times Current Affairs editor Arthur Beasley explains, there have been conflicting statements from the Ironman Group and Triathlon Ireland. Neither Triathlon Ireland nor Ironman is providing any information that will go any way towards substantiating the very divergent assertions that they have made. Endurance athlete Stephen Donnelly from Mayo, who came sixth in the Ironman last Sunday, talks about the conditions in the water and how the day played out. I was actually probably the first person into the water. I duck-dived under, I think, about four waves. By the time I got through the waves, it was fine. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the Iron Man tragedy in Cork and the questions over what exactly happened. Hugh, there were two events uh, scheduled for the weekend in Yall for last weekend. There was a half Iron Man, and that's called an Iron Man 70.3. That was for Saturday. And then there was a full Iron Man on Sunday. Now, a full Iron Man... It starts with a 3.8 kilometre sea swim, then there's a 180 kilometre bike ride, and then a 42.2 kilometre run. So between the two events, there were over 2,000 entrants in the East Cork town. So what happened on Saturday morning? So on Saturday morning, about half an hour before the event began, um, the participants in the 70.3 Ironman were, were informed that the event was going to be moved to the next day, to the Sunday, to be run at the same time as the full Ironman. Having spoken to a number of participants there uh, in y'all today and, and yesterday, you know, there's very much a sense that it was a last minute change that they weren't really expecting. They didn't get a lot of a lot of notice. And this actually led to a number of people who didn't have accommodation for the Saturday night into the Sunday, as they were expecting to go home, uh, sometimes back to, to Canada, or in the case of one gentleman I spoke to, back to, back to Harrogate in uh, England. Hugh, you've been talking to people in Yall, including uh, people who participated in the Ironman. So there were delays on Sunday morning as the athletes lined up to go into the water. What were people saying to you that was like? On Sunday morning, the race was due to begin at 6.30. It didn't actually begin until almost an hour later. So this left uh, a number of the participants, uh, especially the amateur um, uh, participants, waiting for more than an hour to, to begin the race. 
I was speaking to one person who one person who participated in the race who said that they were left looking around at each other. All the participants were left unsure of what to do. They saw boats out uh, on the course, moving boys, and um, even the professionals who, when they began at about twenty past seven in the morning seemed to be rebuffed by the waves they were left worried concerned they weren't sure about how they would do in the water they saw the waves and they felt that there wasn't a a lot of communication regarding why the race was being postponed and one guy said to me uh, a gentleman who took part uh, he was a Dubliner and he said that he considered dropping out then and there but he felt that he was swept up in the macho element of the event and decided to compete nonetheless People who were waiting out there were cold. Some of the professionals had wrapped themselves in temperature-reflecting blankets in order to retain heat. So the swim section, the conditions were bad. Look, anybody that has seen the video will know that the conditions were bad. So the organisers shortened the race, didn't they? Yeah, so originally the um, half Ironman, the 70.3, was meant to be a 1.9-kilometre circuit. Um, Swimmers were going to go we're going to enter the water and swim against the tide for about 400 meters and turn around a buoy in the middle of the uh the race the route was changed organizers in kayaks uh began to to communicate to the swimmers in the water to turn around and to go around a yellow buoy instead so this was to cut the effective race distance to about 1.2 kilometers so as to avoid swimming against the current along the north uh the front strand beach so a lot of the swimmers found that the organisation was quite poor. Um, people were left in the water. They'd swum a few hundred metres up the beach against the current. They were getting tired and suddenly were being redirected by the organisers um, away from the planned route. This left a lot of people unsure as to where they were going. One person I spoke to who took part in the, uh, in the race said he was left in a group of uh, about 100 people um, all stuck in this one area awaiting instructions from from the organisers in kayaks, uh, left unsure of where to go, uncertain, and felt that it was incredibly disorganised. Do you know, did anybody standing there looking for that hour, looking out into that sea, do you know, did any of the competitors decide to, to back out, to say, no, that's it, I'm not going in there? It does seem like a few people, especially as they got down towards the water, decided not to take to take part uh, I was speaking to one participant who decided to back out as he waited on the beach um, who said that at the time he'd really regretted backing out you know he felt like he had trained for so long and to fail to enter the water you know seemed like a failure to him um, but then later on as the news around the uh, two deaths broke he felt like the decision not to get into the water was a wise one so there definitely were a few people who decided not to, to partake as a result of the conditions. So we know tragically that Brendan Wall, an Irish man in his middle 40s who was living in the UK, and Ivan Chittenden, a Canadian in his 60s, they died in the, the swimming section of the event. They started the event like everyone else very early that morning. What do we know about what followed? We know that one of the men who died was given emergency care as he left the water at the end of the swim on the ramp exiting the beach just beside the uh, area where all the bikes was stored. Um, 
he received care on the ramp. We know that the race continued even as they received emergency care. More swimmers exited the water alongside where uh, emergency care was, was taking place. Hugh, you are in Yall. You've been there now for a couple of days. What is the feeling there? The feeling is one of shock. For the locals in Yall, um, they're a bit concerned. They feel terrible sympathy for the families of the two men who died. There are uh, floral sympathies which are being left in the spots where the men entered and exited the water. Um, further, there is a, a vigil which took place on Thursday for the, the two gentlemen who, who died during the race. For the locals themselves, they're concerned that the events which took place during the Ironman may lead to it not returning to the town. They're very concerned because the Ironman is a considerable source of income for the town. Uh, one business owner who I spoke to today said that this is peak season for them. The Ironman and the tourism which it brings is integral to their business and it's integral to their livelihood. So um, have we heard at all from the families of the two men? We know that the family of Brendan Wall is still in Yall. They are locals to the area. We know that there is a funeral to take place in Slane uh, for Mr. Wall. The community has really rallied around the families of, of the two men who died. I was speaking to one local who said food and, and sympathies and flowers have been offered to anyone associated to relatives of the men who died. Did you speak to any of the spectators? Because it's a massive spectator event for, for the town. Did you speak to anybody? I spoke to a number of people who, who watched from the sidelines, people who watched from up on the hill beside the lighthouse where the swimmers came by. Uh, one person likened these swimmers to a shoal of fish um, as, as they swam past the, the lighthouse. Another, another person who stood at the start line said he could see that there was... Uh, issues out in the water. He saw boats rushing to a scene uh, which he presumed was someone in in difficulty. He said that there was murmurs within the crowds of concern for the swimmers at different times, especially as they got into the water. Now, it's still going on in Yall, in a sense, because we are having all these conflicting reports from Triathlon Ireland, from Ironman. Is there any sense of that down there? Are people talking about that? As I went in to get coffee this morning in a coffee shop in Yall, uh, the three tables had two sets of, of people, all of whom having different conversations about the events. I spoke to one person uh, as I was in the queue for coffee who said that this was a blame game taking place and that the locals in Yall are worried that the blame will be shifted away from Ironman Ireland and shifted away from Triathlon Ireland and will be put on their beach, on their water, that y'all will be labelled as dangerous. She said she'd swum in the beach for her entire life, that you know this was her beach, it was safe, and that it was a freak accident. The people of y'all, it seems to be something of great conversation, but I don't think it can be forgotten how the people of y'all rallied around everyone uh, before and after the the event. There were people, uh, competitors, when the Saturday race was cancelled, who were offered homes and tents to stay in overnight. People whose accommodation was just for the, the Friday night who were accommodated in the GAA club here in, uh, in y'all. People's 
holiday homes, uh, spare rooms were given to the competitors. Yall is a town which has been uh, really hit by, by this event. The, peop- the people feel immense sympathy and are shocked by the events, but it really is of constant conversation from what I've seen. Coming up, sanctioned or not, Arthur Beasley on the war of words between Triathlon Ireland and the Ironman Group. Arthur, we know that Triathlon Ireland is the governing body for triathlons here. Now, the other organisation that we've been hearing about in this is the Ironman Group. Who are they? Well, the Ironman Group is essentially the, uh, the global force in this kind of uh, extreme endurance triathlon contests. Uh, they organise about a 150 races per year, they say, so that's three a week. So uh, pretty busy and therefore a pretty large and significant uh, organization which has global reach. It's owned by a New York group called Advance, uh, which is, is best known as the owner of the Condé Nast magazine empire, which is uh, really quite a, a large enterprise, owns Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, Vogue magazine, and an assortment of other pu- uh, publications. So this is a large enterprise running triathlon competitions for profit. But they have people on the ground here, presumably. They're not running it from, you know, Manhattan. They have a UK and Ireland operation, this Yall Race, is the big annual event in Ireland. Uh, On their website, they continue to advertise for the event they plan for 2024. And is Sport Ireland in any way involved? Sport Ireland is the organisation that provides the funding for Triathlon Ireland, which is the national governing body for the sport. Sport Ireland answers to the Department of Sport, receives money from the department and then allocates it to individual sporting bodies uh, throughout the country. One of those is Triathlon Ireland. It had an important function in this yaw race where it was to provide the what's called a sanction uh, for the race to go ahead. So a sanction, I mean, it's such a strange word in some senses because it actually means permission, isn't that it? Essentially, it's, it's a form of permit, right? A form of approval. And the question then is, what is the significance of that approval? And all of the implications are that uh, this sanction, uh, as is described, the significance there is that that in turn triggers uh, insurance for contestants. Now, that insurance is issued by Triathlon Ireland. Its website is clear that contestants in any race not sanctioned by it are not insured. When asked in the last number of days about the insurance status of this event and the meaning of its sanction, Triathlon Ireland, just like it's declining to answer many other questions, simply won't discuss them. But that's what its website says And people who are familiar with the world of triathlon, they say that the significance of that very specific expression sanction attaches to insurance under the Triathlon Ireland insurance scheme. Last Sunday morning, do we know who carried out 
the standard safety protocol checks ahead of the swim section of the event. Well, Triathlon Ireland says that it had officials who carried out checks. But in addition to that, we say that Ironman had people who carried out checks as well. And what happened was essentially, bear in mind now, this was in the aftermath of Storm Betty. Storm Betty was last Friday. Now, Ironman said it was satisfied uh, with the conditions for the race, but it shortened the swim uh, and let the race go ahead. However, what happened then was that on Monday, the Triathlon Ireland said that it had handed down a negative water safety assessment due to adverse conditions on the day, they said. Triathlon Ireland technical officials confirmed to the organisers that it wasn't possible to sanction the race, right? Now, that's, that, that clashes with what Ironman said, where they say they determined that water conditions were safe, but because of weather conditions, they shortened the swim. No, I think it's actually really key to say at this point that all this toing and froing about the weather, the water conditions and so on, you know, we're, we're not talking in any way about what may have caused the deaths of the two men because we don't know that yet. And I think it's important, isn't it, not to, to rush to, to join the two together? No, and we, 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 we simply don't know. But at the end of the day, you had uh, thousands of people going into the water. Certain among those have, have, have complained that they felt it was the conditions were pretty horrendous, that the whole thing was very chaotic. Some of them felt frightened. Some felt it wasn't safe. We don't know the reasons for the deaths of the two people who uh, died. Uh, but it's certainly the case that many of the competitors in the race uh, felt that the sea was too rough. So there's a difference in the timeline from both organisations. Well, there most certainly is. And this is the thing that, I mean, notwithstanding that we don't know what led to the, the, the two people to, to die, uh, it is clear that there were safety concerns. Because of the weather conditions, our man said they shortened the route. Triathlon Ireland said because of the conditions on the day, they weren't going to sanction it. Now, what happened was that after the Triathlon Ireland statement where they said we didn't sanction this, uh, the next day, our man came out and said that that decision, the ruling, if you like, the key ruling, was communicated to it only several hours after the swim was completed. Um, very quickly after that, Triathlon Ireland came back and said, no, that's not so. The decision, they say, was confirmed to the organisers before the start of the race. Now, when our man is asked about that, they have said they stand by the details in their statement. But there's a very clear divergence between the two organisations. Very, very clear. And this is taking place against the backdrop of uncertainty around what happened to people who died and many other people who were uh, battling waves in the water, uh, essentially feeling distressed about what was going on. But in a sense, and I know you've been, you've been chasing this all week. This seems like an, a nearly a, a sort of an easy thing to resolve because surely there's a paper trail. Well, you would imagine there would be. And uh, I think where you're dealing with uh, matters pertaining to insurance, it's always about the paper trail. If you are going to go on the insurance of a member of your family or a friend, 
you'll be issued with a document that was saying you're insured from X time, usually one minute past midnight. So it's pretty important, particularly where a decision relates to the triggering of insurance cover. Neither Triathlon Ireland nor Ironman is providing any information that will go any way towards substantiating the very divergent assertions that they have made. We asked for evidence, for proof that what Ironman said was correct. They didn't provide any. We asked for evidence, proof from Triathlon Ireland. They didn't provide any either. But they're going to have to provide them to somebody, aren't they? Because we've heard all week that every time a politician has been doorstopped, they've been asked about this. Well, they have, but it's still unclear as to who exactly is going to examine this pretty uh, serious issue that has now arisen. Um, We know that Gardaí are examining the case. They'll be preparing files for the Cork City coroner. Uh, Quite when the inquest takes place, uh, we simply don't know. But these are things, these are procedures that don't uh, come to pass until many months after someone passes away. And the question arises as to whether the coroner's court, in respect of two individuals who died in the, in the water, is really the correct forum to trash out what exactly was going on in Yall last Sunday morning. Um, but there's still no sign, it must be said, of any kind of an, an, an independent assessment of what exactly was happening. A lot of noise, a lot of, a lot of politicians saying, yes, we need the answers, but not a lot of politicians standing forth to say, this is how we are going to get, at, get to those answers so that the many questions that linger can be answered. Stephen, how many Ironman competitions ha- have you taken part in? And, and I suppose for, for someone like me who can't even imagine it, what's the appeal of what looks like a grueling punishment. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a tough, tough day out. I suppose it's taken me a lot of years to kind of build up to the distance and stuff. But roughly, I've done, yeah, I've done about eight um, full distance over the last couple of years. I started back in 2008, just just wanted to get fit and stuff and started with the short distance. And then as the years went on, I built up in the distance and Ironman was always the, I suppose, the box ticker. And, you know, to say you'd done an Ironman back then was pretty special. And I was only, I was only 22 when I'd done my first Ironman. So it was very young at that time. Got the hunger for the sport and um, I've kept it going since. So, I mean, you didn't just tick the box and then walk away and do something different. I, you took part, for example, in the Ironman in Yall last Sunday. Was it the half Ironman or the full one? Yeah, it was the full distance. You've months of training behind you just for, for that one day. And I suppose I'm wondering, and I've seen the videos, obviously, as we all have now, of the sea, of the, the waves crashing in on that shore. What were you thinking when you were looking at those conditions? I suppose before the start of the race, um, our race was postponed for about over a, over a half an hour. And then we were kind of told that the, uh, they had to cut the distance because of the, the chop in the water and stuff. I kind of left the area then because I knew I had time and I was up since half three and I had breakfast so early. So I was kind of hungry and stuff. So I was like, I'll go grab something to eat, maybe have a coffee and uh, settle and, you know, get ready. When I went back, there was a lot of people 
like, I mean, there was, there was over two and a half thousand people there and there was a high wall. So I didn't actually see the water till we started. So when I got really to the start, it didn't look too bad. There was still a bit of chop, but you know, I, I'm at it for years. I'm a lifeguard. Um, I would regard myself as a strong swimmer. So I really wasn't overly worried about the swim. I was pretty confident in myself. But then after looking at the videos after, yes, it, it, it did seem very, very choppy for the middle distance race. And it, I suppose it had all to do with the tide. We had a, just a slightly higher tide, which meant the chop wasn't as bad. So in a sense, while you were swimming, while you were in the middle of it, you weren't really aware of how savage it looked to the rest of us, you know, who, who saw the videos later. No, not at all. And, you know, I, I actually spoke to people over the last few days because really th that was the main question everyone was asking, you know, how did you find the swim? And, you know, was it as bad as it looked and everything? And I, I, I started actually in the very front of the, uh, the Ironman. So I was actually probably the first person to into the water and I duck dived under I think about four waves and by the time I got through the waves it was fine we got to the boy now the boy they had changed the route from the middle distance so we didn't have that current that very strong current that the other the half distance had the full distance we didn't have it as hard as the half Ironman we had a shorter swim and is it usual for organizers to change a route uh, to change a swimming route in without really you knowing about it beforehand does that happen doesn't happen but i suppose it was for all our for safety at the, at the time as i said i didn't see the start of the half ironman distance but it just looked like there was a like a very very strong current we'll say the the weaker swimmers in the half ironman distance just found it really hard to get out to that boy and I suppose you're a swimming instructor and a lifeguard. So, you know, perhaps is the swimming the strongest section for you? I wouldn't be the fastest swimmer, but I'm pretty confident in the water. I, I grew up in the water. You know, I just live five minutes away from the beach and I would be very confident in choppy waters. You know, people grow up in, we'll say, the Midlands and, you know, the swim in the lake and stuff. And it, it was choppy, but I can't really say that I found it that hard, but I can see how other people would have struggled after, you know, all the training that you put in for, for, for these Ironman things, could you ever imagine just going at the start going, you know what? No, it's too dangerous. I'm not doing it. Yeah, it all depends, I suppose. Um, you know, it's funny because I had this conversation uh, uh, with my fiance after and I was like, maybe if Lindsay was doing it and we were looking into the water and she didn't feel kind of 100% confident, it would have been very easy f for us to say, well, you know what, we'll leave it. Now, as I said, I didn't feel, feel that way. Now, if I did, I'd be happy enough to sit it out. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know because, you know, everyone that was doing that race from Friday, we've all been, you know, hearing things that it might be cancelled, a lot of rumours about everything. And it, it's very hard to know. It's, it's easy to say after, you know, well, maybe I, you know, should have pulled out. But I think the adrenaline and stuff and that there's so many people there with you, um, in the same boat, it, it's probably very tough to say, you know, I'll sit it out. And Stephen, how did you finish in the end? Uh, I finished sixth uh, overall. Oh. Out of this vast field, were you pleased or is that the highest you've ever come in the rankings? Yeah, I was, I was happy. I had a few small problems on the run, but um, I was, yeah, look, I was, I was delighted. 
there was actually a lot of great Irish uh, performances there. And I, I think I was second Irish. And I think three of us made the top 10. So, yeah, it was a great day. And, you know, it was obviously it was it was spoiled when we when we went over the line to hear the bad news. Yeah, that certainly overshadowed the event, I think, for everyone. And it obviously overshadowed it for you. I mean, you know Ironman's dangerous. You have read before of deaths in other events. I mean, have you personally ever taken part in an Ironman where a participant has died? No, actually, I haven't. Well, not that I know of, because I have raced in a lot of places, you know, all around in Europe and stuff. And sometimes you mightn't hear things like that, because obviously you're not from... You might be leaving the day after or whatever, but I, yeah, look, it was an absolute tragedy and all my absolute condolences to their families. Before you you, you race, before you even put a toe in the water, you have to sign a waiver. Uh, this is an extreme sport, so it's, you know, understandable that you sign a waiver. Was the waiver for you all the same as, as any others? Or, you know, and you, when you're putting the pen to paper, do you ever give thoughts to the worst case scenario that might happen? And that did indeed happen for those two men, Brendan Wall and Ivan Chittenden. It's not something you ever, I suppose, you ever think about. Do you know, as I said, it was, it was an absolute tragedy. I don't know the ins and outs about what happened. I would trust the organisation that we'd be in kind of safe hands and stuff. So it wouldn't really be a thing I'd ever think about uh, signing away for. Um, but yeah, these things happen and it's terrible. That's it for today. Thanks to Hugh Dooley, Arthur Beasley and Stephen Donnelly. For more on this unfolding story, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey. In the news, we'll be back on Monday. <laughs>